Every week at this time, the Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation of Lancaster, Ohio, and its more than 10,000 employees bring you another adventure of Casey, crime photographer, ace cameraman who covers the crime news of a great city. Our adventure for tonight, 20-Minute Alibi. Late afternoon in the office of the Acme Insurance Company. A telephone rings on the desk of Mr. Edward Phillips. Acme Insurance, Phillips speaking. Mr. Phillips? Yes? This is Mr. Prescott. Travis Prescott. I've got to talk to you about my life insurance policy. Yes, Mr. Prescott? I've been having trouble raising the money for the premium. How much more time have I got? Well, I sent you a final notice sometime last week. Yes, yes, you did. But what'll happen if I can't meet the payment? Why, after today, I'm afraid the policy will have to lapse, Mr. Prescott. Lapse? Yes. In other words, you won't be insured after today. What time... Uh, what time is it now? By uh, quarter to five. And I have until midnight to pay the premium? That's right, sir. But if anything happened to me before... Uh, I mean, the policy is still good now, isn't it? Yes, sir. That's all I wanted to know. Uh, just a moment, Mr. Prescott. Uh, Mr. Prescott, what happened? Mr. Prescott... Mr. Prescott. <laughs> well, congratulations, Ethelbert. How did the when did all this happen anyway? Last night, Casey, huh? uh, the bartenders were just having their regular monthly meeting, and they elected me. Oh, what do you know? Of course, I still think the reason so many people come in here is because they like to hear Herman Jettison play the piano. Mm, boy, you got a point there. Like my sister Edna says, quote, eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow you don't have to work. That is, if it's Saturday night, uh, unquote. But you know Edna. Yeah, I know Edna. Hello, Ethelbert. Good night. Oh, <laughs> hello, Miss Williams. Hi. Hi, Annie. Pull up a stool. You're crazy. What do you have, huh? Not now, Casey. We got a job. Bye. Uh, where? What's up? Man got killed over at the Milton Hotel, shot in the head with his own revolver. Suicide? That's what Captain Logan's men seem to think. We better get over there right away. Well, what's the rush? Because I know you, Casey. If Logan says it's suicide, you're going to think it's murder. Come on, Annie. We're going to have to shoulder our way through this. Gosh, there's enough cops in this hall to launch a battleship. Yeah, yeah, where are you going? Press, Commissioner. Gentlemen of the press. Her, too. No, officer, I'm a lady. It's all right, Dolan. They can come in. Yes, sir. Thank you, Logan. Well, old boy, it's awfully decent of you to let me solve this case for you. Now, don't start masterminding, Casey. This is a very simple job, and all you have to do is take pictures. Oh? The murderer has confessed, has he? The murderer has not confessed. There isn't any murderer, understand? This is a simple case of suicide, and let's keep it that way. Okay, okay. I didn't say anything. Maybe not, but you're thinking. Well, one of us has to think, huh, Logan? <laughs> what? Oh, oh, don't pay any attention to him, Captain. He just got up on the right side of bed this morning. Well, he won't get up at all tomorrow if he doesn't watch his... Well, come on, come back. on. Where's the body, Captain? Over here, behind the sofa, right next to the telephone stand. Hmm. Where you found him? I didn't find him, Casey. My men found him. What's his name? Prescott. Travis Prescott. He lived here in this hotel? No, he was a salesman, lived uptown, and used this room as a sort of downtown office. Uh, watch it, Logan. What's the matter? You're taking a picture. Don't get scared. Oh. Now, you can put your clodhoppers anywhere you want. Thank you. Say, what makes you think it's suicide, Logan? Oh, just a wild hunch. 
Prescott was found with a gun in his hand and a bullet hole through his right temple. Powder burns on the face proved that the gun was fired at close range, and a neat little suicide note was found in the carriage of his typewriter. Is that enough of a hint, Mr. Casey? No. Then I'll let you speak to Mr. Phillips. Uh, Mr. Phillips. Yes, Captain Logan. Will you please tell this gentleman that Mr. Prescott called you up at a quarter of five this afternoon, that he didn't have enough money to pay the premium on his life insurance policy, and that you heard him shoot himself while you were on the phone? Uh, now, wait a minute, Logan. You can't hear a man shoot himself. You've got to see it. Well, this was practically the same thing. Mr. Phillips was still on the wire when the shot was fired. Well, that doesn't mean anything. A murderer could have phonied up the whole setup to make it look like suicide. Use your head, Casey. If you wanted a murderer to look like suicide, would you kill a man while he was still on the phone? He's got you there, partner. Mm. Okay, mastermind. You go to your church and I'll go to mine. Now, just a second, Logan. Has anything in this room been moved since Prescott's body was discovered? You know better than that. Not until my tech men get finished. Then it's murder, my friend. Good old premeditated homicide. What do you mean? Look at the telephone, Logan. Didn't you say Mr. Phillips here heard the shot over the wire? Well, I did hear Well, then if Mr. Prescott committed suicide, how did the receiver get back on the hook? Only one person could have hung up that phone after Prescott was dead, Logan, and that's the murderer. Now, wait a minute, Casey. I thought of that, too. It's just probable that Prescott put it back himself. Well, after he'd been shot through the head. Well, it's possible, isn't it? He could have staggered and dropped it back into place as he fell to the floor. Sure, sure. He could have played a violin concerto on the way down. So will you shut up? It doesn't make sense, Captain. Casey's right about this being murder, and you know it. I don't know anything of the kind yet. Uh, uh, Mr. Phillips, tell me, did you hear the phone click after the shot was fired? Why, uh, now that I think about it, I... Yes, I am sure I heard a click, as though the receiver had been placed back on the hook. Oh, funny you're remembering it now. What do you mean by that? Nothing. I'm just passing the time of day until Captain Logan decides to start looking for some suspects. Yeah, how about that, Captain? Doesn't this Mr. Prescott have any... Friends or relatives? He's got a wife. Yeah? Well, why isn't she here? Yeah, she probably will be any minute. I sent word to her just before you came in. What was her reaction to the news, Captain? I don't know. I, I wasn't the one who broke it to her. That sounds like her now. Let go of me, please. It's all right, Dolan. She can come in. We were expecting her. Yes, sir. Where is the officer? What have they done with him? No, no, no. Just a minute, please. Is he dead? Is he really dead? Tell me, how did it happen? Please, please. you got to... In the name of heaven, officer, why are you keeping me from him? Why don't you let me see him? Travis! No, no, no. You, you oh, mustn't Travis, go. Travis, darling. Well, for sake, will you take her away from the bus? No, no. I love you. I love oh, you. I know how you feel, but you've got to pull yourself together now. Well, let me stay with him just a little while. Don't you understand? I love him more than anything in the world. Oh, I, I'm terribly sorry. I know it's a shock to you. Oh, it's all right. Only I can't understand why anybody would want it. Who killed him, officer? Who killed him? Why, uh, I don't know. I, I'm not entirely sure he was killed. Captain Logan thinks he might have committed suicide. Oh, but that's ridiculous. He had everything to live for. He told me so this afternoon. But you saw your husband this afternoon, Mrs. Prescott? Husband? Yeah. Aren't you his wife? Why, no. I'm Evelyn Warner. I'm Mr. Prescott's secretary. <laughs> Casey walking right up to Mrs. Prescott's apartment and ringing the bell. What do you expect to find out from her anyway? Shh, somebody's coming. Yes? Uh, oh, excuse me. I thought this was Mrs. Prescott's apartment. Uh, it is. Uh, I'm her father. Lane is my name. How do you do, Mr. Lane? Is Mrs. Prescott in? 
Yes, but if your reporters... Well, we won't stay very long, Mr. Lane. We just want to ask a few questions. Well, I, I appreciate that it's your job, of course, but really we've been hounded by so many reporters this evening. Uh, can't you come back at us some other time? And instead of bothering Mrs. Prescott again tonight, she's been through so much. Well, we'll miss the morning edition. If yes, we... yes, I know, but couldn't I answer your questions for you? After all, the police have been here, and the whole terrible shock of Mr. Prescott's it's death... It's all of... right, Father. You can let them in. But, Helen, I'm sure it's I... It's all right, Father. What's the use of pretending I'm upset about Travis's death? Everybody knows how he treated me. Helen, I think it's a mistake Oh, to... come in. Come in, won't you? Let's get these press interviews over once and for all. Well, we'll make this a short one, Mrs. Prescott. Thank you. Helen, I, I think you're giving these people the wrong impression What's the of... good of keeping up appearances? It's all over now. Once I can really act the way I feel. You sound as if you were almost glad your husband is dead, Mrs. Prescott. Don't say that. I, I'm not glad. But I'm not sorry either. Huh? See, I've been hurt so much these past few years. I, I'm just sort of numb about it. Does that seem very cold to you? Well, frankly, a, a little. Well, maybe it is. Then you didn't know Travis. You didn't know the pain or the heartache he could bring to those who tried to love him. He was a scoundrel. Really, he was. I hate to say so now, but he treated Mrs. Prescott abominably when he was alive. Hmm? In what way, Mr. Lane? In every way. He drank, gambled, spent my daughter's money. He spent it on other women. Women like that secretary of his. Oh, you know about her? Yes. She wasn't the only one. <laughs> a little fool. He didn't care any more about her than he did about me. You think she might have killed him? Hmm? If she was in love with him. Anybody who was in love with him might have killed him. Including you? <laughs> I wasn't in love with him. Well, it doesn't really matter very much. The police think he committed suicide. Who, Travis? Not in a million years. My father's right. Travis wouldn't take his own life. He was much too fond of living. Then you think that he was murdered? I'm sure of it. By whom? Any ideas? That's something for the police to figure out. Hey, look, try to remember, will you? After all, you're the doorman here. You ought to know what time Mrs. Prescott came home this afternoon. Well, I do remember, but I don't know that I can pass that information along to you. I've already passed it along to the police. But we're practically policemen. Show me your press badge, Casey. And will you stay off my side? We're, we're confusing the guy. I'm not confused. I know when Mrs. Prescott came home. Oh, yeah? When? About a quarter past five. Quarter past five, huh? That's just a half hour after her husband was killed. She could have done it, Casey. Only takes about 20 minutes to get here from the Milton Hotel. 25 at the outside if she came right over. Mm, that's just what I was thinking. Say, tell me, Mac, did she come home in a cab? Mm, yes, I believe she did. Alone, or was she with her father? Oh, no, she wasn't with her father. Mr. Lane came home at least half hour earlier. About a quarter to five. No, just about. Maybe a few minutes before. Yeah, well, that lets him out, but it doesn't make it any too cozy for her. Well, thanks for the tip, old man. Here's one for you. Much obliged to you, sir. Come on, Annie, we've got work to do. Well, wait a minute. You don't have to yank me off my feet. Where are we going? Back to the car first. Gee. Then we're going to drive down to... Say, wait a minute. What's the matter? Quick. Get up against the side of the building. I've got to flash that dame in the lobby. She's coming out. What dame? Who's coming out? Shh. Mrs. Prescott. There she is now. Look how she's dolled up. A nice time for her to be getting about. Where do you suppose she's going? Keep your eye on her, Annie. We may have to tail her. Look. She's getting into that parked car on the corner. 
For Pete's sake, get ready, kid. We're going to follow that car. Why? Whose is it? Don't you recognize the guy behind the wheel? That's Mr. Phillips, the insurance agent. Casey, we'll both be killed if you keep driving this way. Don't worry, Annie. I've still got two wheels on the ground. Well, let one of the others down anyway. Right, we're coming down for a landing now. Stopping up ahead. I wonder why. Everything looks closed up around here. Where are we? Downtown, near River Street. These are all office buildings. Wait, they're going inside that gray one on the corner. Well, don't give them a chance to get away. Come on, Annie. You have to find out what they're up to. Not so fast, Casey. I've got high heels on. There's no time to call attention to your legs. We're in a hurry. Oh, don't be so manly. We'll catch up with them. If we don't get a move on. Well, there they are. Going in that side door off the lobby, see? I hope they're not trying to give us the slip. That's what I hope. No, it looks like some sort of office on the first floor. Hey, there is an office. Oh, oh. Acme Insurance Company. Hmm. I'm going to find out what they're up to. Easy now. Mr. Phillips might be back there with a gun. Come on. We'll take a chance. Don't tell me you're going to hold my hand. Just across the threshold. There. Now you're on your own. Hey, what the... Take what? it easy, Casey. Logan! What be... Captain Logan! What are you doing here? Minding my own business? Well, what are you doing? But, uh, now look, Logan, don't be like that. We've been following that Phillips guy and Mrs. Prescott. They came in here a second ago. Didn't you see them? Yes, I saw them. I sent for them. You what? I sent for them, Miss Williams. Well, it's about time you got wise to yourself, Logan. Are they in this thing together? Did they cook up some kind of scheme to kill Prescott and collect his insurance? Well, uh, not exactly. Not exactly. Well, what do you mean? Come on, give. What have you got on them? I just asked them to come down here so I could have a look at Mr. Prescott's insurance policy. Aha! Good boy, Logan. That dame is suspect number one on my list. Mine, too. She had motive and an opportunity to commit the crime. Where? Tell me about it. At a quarter to five. When Travis Prescott was murdered, too. And she didn't get back to her apartment until one half an hour later. So you figure she was with her husband at the time of his death, mm-hmm. sure? Well, as a matter of fact, she wasn't. Uh, oh. Oh, uh, she's got an alibi, I suppose. You said it, Casey, an airtight one. At a quarter to five, she was at a bridge party uptown with over a dozen witnesses. So she couldn't have killed her husband. Uh, no, I guess not. Then who did? I don't know yet. I've still got an idea it was suicide, remember? Yeah, I remember. Suicide or not, Logan, if you let that woman put one over on you, you're a sap. She has everything to gain by her husband's death, including that nice fat insurance policy. Well, the policy may be fat, but it won't do her any good. Why not? Because she's not the beneficiary. Mr. Prescott left the money to Evelyn Warner, his secretary. want, Mr. Casey? Well, I'll tell you, Miss Warner, if you'll just take your foot away from the door and let us come in. No, please. I'm awfully busy right now. Can't you two come back some other time? And find you gone? Why, no, of course not. What makes you think I was going anywhere? Don't you dare come in here. Why? What are you hiding? Nothing. Nothing but a half-packed suitcase. I can see that from here. Go away. I will in a minute, Miss Warner. Come on in, Annie. Like you are. Big idea, sister. Don't you know it's bad news to run away at a time like this? It's practically an admission of guilt. I don't care what it is. You mean you killed Mr. Prescott? No. According to what Logan tells me, you were at the office with him this afternoon. Of course I was. I was his secretary, wasn't I? I was there until 4 o'clock. And where were you after 4 o'clock? Trap, Mr. Prescott sent me out on an errand. And why are you so anxious to get away now? Because I know what'll happen. 
They'll send me to the chair for something I didn't do. If you didn't do it, you've got nothing to worry about, Miss Warner. But all the evidence points to me, the insurance policy, the fact that I worked for him, even the fact that I was in love with him. There's only one fact that really counts. Can you prove you were not with Mr. Prescott at a quarter to five this afternoon? No. The only man who could prove it for me won't help me. Who's that? Mrs. Prescott's father, Mr. Lane. He knows I wasn't at the office at a quarter to five this afternoon, but he'll never tell the police that. Why not? Because he hates me. I'm sure he does. Any man would hate me for breaking up his daughter's marriage. But he wouldn't send you to the chair for it. Besides, Mr. Lane doesn't strike me as the kind of a guy who'd blame you for what happened. He would. I know he would. I can't take a chance. You can't take a chance because you killed Travis Prescott. No! You'll have a hard time convincing him. Stand back! Hey, what are you doing there with it? She's got a gun. Stand back, both of you. I know how to use it, and I will if you get in my way. Don't be an idiot. You can't get away with this. We'll see about that. Close my bag. Quick! Now, put it on the floor and stand back. You're a chump to walk out of here with that gun in your hand. I'm not asking your advice, Mr. Casey. Just don't move a muscle till I'm outside the door. Stand just where you are. I'll take that gun if you please. Mr. Lane! What's the meaning of this, Miss Warner? I was just about to ring your bell. Hold her, Mr. Lane. I'll take care of that gun. Let me go, you stupid fool. Let go of me. Thank you, Miss Warner. You might hurt somebody with that thing. What's the matter here? What has she done? Plenty, Mr. Lane. Murdered your son-in-law and tried to make it look like suicide. She just gave us a cock and bull story about you being able to fix her up with an alibi. I don't understand. Didn't Mr. Prescott die at a quarter to five this afternoon? That's right. Then how could Miss Warner have killed him? Huh? What do you mean? Well, Miss Warner dropped some mail off for me at the apartment this afternoon. I was with her at almost exactly a quarter to five. Say, Casey, you've been sitting there for the last 15 minutes without opening your mouth. What's the matter with him, Miss Williams? To put it in simple language, Ethelbert, Casey is what we might call stuck. Huh. Uh, does that expression on your face, Casey, mean that you're thinking? Yeah. Give me another cup of that coffee, Ethelbert. Awful stuff. Oh, uh, Walter, bring Casey another coffee. I told you it was awful. You know Walter can't make coffee. You're telling me. Annie, I give up. As far as I can make out, nobody was at Mr. Prescott's office at a quarter of five this afternoon. Well, at least Mr. Prescott was there. I'm beginning to wonder. (laughs) Boy, if he was alive, he'd probably have an alibi, too. Maybe Logan was right. Maybe it was suicide. Hmm. Certainly beginning to look that way. Only there's something awful fishy about that phone call. You think Mr. Phillips is lying? I don't know. He's got plenty of witnesses from his office. But there might have been some shenanigans at the other end of the line. Oh, say, uh, Ethelbert, if that's for me, you know what to tell him. Right, Casey, you know me. Excuse me, folks. Hello, Blue Note, Ethelbert speaking. Deposit five cents, please. Yeah, wait, I'll have to get... Hey, wait a minute, I just picked up the phone. If you'll give me your name and address, we'll return your nickel. But I didn't put in a nickel. You should deposit five cents before you dial. Please hang up and dial again. Hey, look, lady. Hello? Hello? (laughs) Goodbye. Hmm, must have been a wrong number. Uh, Blue Note, Ethelbert speaking. Wrong number, excuse it, please. 
I thought so. Oh, dear, these telephone operators. I have more trouble... Hey, wait a minute, Ethelbert, you know... Wait, wait a minute, you, you give me a hunch. Huh? The telephone operator, Annie. Hmm? That's who I want to talk to. Come on. Where are we going? Back to the Hotel Milton. I want to talk to the operator at the switchboard. Milton Hotel, just a moment, please. Now... What were you saying, Mr. Casey? Well, uh, we wanted to have a look at the call sheet, miss. You keep a record of all outgoing calls, don't you? That's right. Are you from the telephone company? Uh, no, no, not exactly. But, uh, look, if you'll do this little job for us, we can get your picture in the paper. See, see, he's got his camera and everything. Yeah, here it is, right here. Well, what do you want to know? Oh, just how many calls Mr. Prescott made from his room this afternoon between half past four and five o'clock. Half past four... Mm-hmm, that's it. Did he make any other calls besides the one to the Acme Insurance Company? Between half past four and five o'clock? Yeah. Gee, that's funny. According to the sheet, Mr. Resca didn't use the phone at all during that time. Last call he made was at four o'clock. Let me see that, will you? Sure. Casey, what's it mean? Annie. It means we're dealing with a pretty slick murderer. That phone call Mr. Phillips got wasn't made from this hotel. That's so. What's more, Prescott didn't even make it. His voice was impersonated by somebody else's after the murder was committed. Yes, but, but Here, it... hold on to this sheet, Annie. Okay. We've got to get in touch with Logan right away. Operator, will you call headquarters, please? And... Hey, hey, who turned off those lights? I don't know, but somebody slipped into this room, Casey. I saw the door close just as... Oh, Casey, help me! Somebody grabbed the call sheet out of my hand. He's got the list of calls. Don't worry, I've got oh, him. I... There, quick, turn on the lights while I hold him down. I'll find the switch, Mr. Casey. Now we'll see who murdered Travis Prescott. Mr. Lane. It's all right, Mr. Casey. I won't try to get away. Go ahead and call the police. Okay, Mr. Lane. So you killed your son-in-law? Yes. I had every reason in the world for killing him. After the way he treated my daughter, he, he didn't deserve to live. I made up my mind to kill him when he tried to borrow money from me to meet his insurance par p p policy. Policy that would only benefit that, that secretary. After you shot Prescott, you went back to your apartment and called up Mr. Phillips, the insurance man. You impersonated your son-in-law's voice, and while Mr. Phillips was still on the wire, you fired a shot for him to hear over the phone. Yes. I tried to make it look as if Prescott had died at a quarter to five, ah. because I was already at home at that time, with a perfect alibi. When did you kill Prescott, Mr. Lane? At exactly 25 minutes after four. Ah. That gave you a perfect alibi, all right. The only trouble is it gave everybody else one, too. Okay, Annie. Call up Logan. Well, you see, Ethelbert, it, it was a perfect alibi. I don't see how it's so perfect if the guy got caught. Well, he wouldn't have been caught if it hadn't been for our man Casey. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that, Annie. Logan was onto that call sheet long before I was. He had a photostatic copy of it the whole time. Well, then why didn't he do something with it? If this Lane guy hadn't followed you to the hotel and made that pass in the dark, he'd have been a free man. Oh, not necessarily. No, Logan was playing the whole thing cozy, letting it pass for suicide and keeping an eye on all the suspects all the time. Well, if I ever commit a murder, I'm not going to make it fancy. Oh, why not? Well, you see what happened to this Lane guy. He should have known you can't commit a murder and make it look like suicide. Why? Because any man that commits a murder is committing suicide at the same time. 
the Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation brings you Crime Photographer. Written by Alonzo Dean Cole, our adventure for tonight, The Mysterious Lodger. Morning, about 10 o'clock. In a private office at police headquarters, a telephone rings. A big man in civilian clothes reaches for its receiver and... Homicide Bureau, Captain Logan speaking. Is this the place to report a murder? Uh, it is, lady. I think I got one for you. Who's this speaking? I'm Maggie Myers. To be really proper, I'm Mrs. John Rodney Myers. I'm a widow. Uh, what's the address? 1139 Midland Street. 1139 Midland? That's right. It's my lodger, a lady who rooms with me who's been killed, I think. Well, what makes you think that... Well, you get out here and look through the keyhole of her door like I just did, and you'll see... Now, we'll be there right away, Mrs. Myers. I'll be waiting for you. Goodbye. Sergeant Flanagan. Yes, Captain. Tell the tech squad and the doc to follow us to 1139 Midland Street. Hey, you go with me. Yes, sir. What happened at 1139 Middle Street, huh? Casey. Good morning, Hi, Captain. Captain. What are you two doing here? Well, don't we usually drop in to inquire what's happening in the murder department? And it seems we picked just the right time today. Okay, Miss Williams, you and that lug with the camera follow my car. Come on. <laughs> Logan's car stopped in front of that little cottage, Casey. Mm-hmm. I'll park right behind him. Hey, this is a crummy neighborhood, Annie. Yeah. We're not going to get any front-page stuff here. Oh, uh, look. Little old woman just came out of that door. Are you Mrs. Myers? That's me, Maggie Myers. Mrs. John Rodney Myers. Well, I'm Captain Logan, uh, and this is Sergeant Flanagan. How do you do? Uh, pleased to meet you, and come in. You remember, we're in this party, too, Logan. Who's this fellow with the picture part? Just a press photographer, Mrs. Myers. Pay no attention to him. Oh, you're here to take pictures of me with your brownie, young man? My brat... <laughs> Definitely, Mrs. Myers, yes? Oh, uh, come in, young man, and make yourself to home. Uh, you and your lady friend both. Oh, and be sure and wipe your feet on the mat. Uh, oh, oh, thank you. Now, where's this lodger of yours whom you think In the front you? bedroom, just off my parlor here. There. Yeah, the door's locked. It's the only room I rent out. The only room I got to rent, matter of fact. Sergeant, take a squint through this keyhole. See if you see what I've seen. There's only four rooms in this place. Parlor, kitchen, and front and back bedrooms. There's a dame lying on the floor in there, Captain, and I'd say she'd been stabbed. I used to have a nice big house when my husband was alive. Six rooms and bath. Uh, we'll that... break in the door. Hey, who'll pay for that uh, door? We can't think of that now, lady. Uh, together, Flanagan. Yeah. <laughs> One push is all a door like that needs. Hey, this dame on the floor is stone cold been dead for hours. Look at this knife in her back, Captain. Pushed into the hill. Hold it, everybody. Casey. Got it, thanks. Thank you. You know you can't take pictures until I say so. Now, all of you keep out of this room. I don't want you stepping on possible evidence. Why, Captain, none of us have come inside that room. You know we know better than that. Uh, when I'm watching you. Poor Miss Patrick. Poor Miss Patrick. Hey, is that the dead woman's name, Mrs. Myers? Yes, Alice Patrick. At least that's what she told me. Such a nice, quiet woman she was and she paid her rent so regular. Well, I'll want to hear all you know about her very soon. 
Yeah, she's a big girl. About 45. Only a husky guy could have driven that knife so deeply into her back. That was done with one clean stroke, Sarge. Yeah, it took muscle to do that, Captain. Got any idea who was in this room with your lodger last night, Mrs. Myers? No, I haven't, young man. Miss Patrick come home alone about 8 o'clock last night and said good evening, and then she went into her room, and I heard her lock the door. Well, when did you find that she'd been killed? Well, when it got near 10 o'clock this morning and her door was still shut, I began to get a little worried. Why? Because I did, that's why. <clears throat> Go on, please. Well, finally I called her and she didn't answer then I did what any woman would do and look through the keyhole. After that, I run out the corner store where there's a phone and called you. Mm -hmm. This door wasn't only locked on the inside with a key, Logan. It was fastened with a bolt. I told you not to come in here, Casey. I'm only poking my head around the door frame, Logan. The killer never left this room by the door, Captain. That's pretty obvious, Miss Williams. He used that window. Oh, he couldn't have done that, Captain. That window's locked. Mrs. Myers, it's open two inches from the bottom. I say it's locked. I know my own house. Try it. Okay. Say, it is locked in this position. Locked from the inside by them spring bolts in the frame. Miss Patrick always left it like that at night, open enough to get fresh air, but not open enough so even a cat could get in. Uh. Somebody stabbed Miss Patrick in a room they couldn't get out of. But how? It's very simple. Oh, it is, huh? Mm-hmm. Can I come into the room, pal? I'll watch my step. No, come on. Thanks. Now, look. This is an old-fashioned type of window without counterweights. To raise or lower the sash, you pull out two spring catches on the side. Yeah. Well, the round spring bolts in the sash snap into holes in the casing and lock when they hit those holes, which can be prevented. Probably to delay discovery of the body, the killer wanted to leave the window as he found it open about two inches. So he, he ran a pair of thin strips or something, maybe, maybe cardboard, between the sash and the casement. Climbed outside, lowered the window, pulled out his strips, and let the spring locks shoot into place. Uh, it could have been done that way easy, Captain. I can see that myself now. Casey, you've just ruined a nice mystery. But who... Who could have been strong enough to drive that dagger into Miss Patrick's back? Uh, step back into your parlor, Mrs. Myers. I want you to tell me all you know about Miss Patrick. Yes, sir. Uh, Sergeant, that sounds like the tech squad outside. Oh, listen to all the klaxons. Yeah. Uh, let them in and uh, have them give that room the works. Yes, sir. Now, Mrs. Myers, uh, how long have you known Miss Patrick? Only two months uh, since she rented my room. She was a very mysterious woman. Mysterious? Mysterious, Captain. Mysterious. Now, to sum up what you've been saying, Mrs. Myers, this woman, Alice Patrick, answered an advertisement you put in the paper. Yes, sir. You... It said, Refined Lady has pleasant furnished room to rent an own home. Uh, that's beside the point. I decided to take a lodger, Captain. Not so much because I needed the money, though I could use it, of course, as because I get kind of lonesome. And I figured having another woman uh, in the we've house... We've gone over that. The point, Mrs. Myers, is that this woman never told you anything about herself. That's and... why I say she was mysterious, Captain. Most women do tell things. Women like to talk. I see that. And another thing, she never went out of the house without leaving her suitcase locked. How did you discover that? How do you suppose I discovered it? Sergeant Flanagan. Sergeant. 
Yes, sir. Uh, bring that suitcase here if the tech men are finished with it. Okay, Captain. I was just coming out for you. The doctor would like to have you in there for a minute. All right. Hey, excuse me, Mrs. Myers. I'll be right back, Casey. Say, uh, Mrs. Myers, whose picture is this on the wall? This, this beautiful woman. Believe it or not, Mr. Casey, that was me 50 years ago. <laughs> you know, I figured it was. Honest? Yeah. Now I'm all wrinkled and shrunk up. Oh, no, indeed. Your face still has the nice lines of the girls in this picture. Oh, you're just kidding. But it's nice of you to do it. Oh, really? I'm not kidding. My husband, John, used to say pretty things like that. John's been dead now for 14 years. Tell us about yourself and your husband, Mrs. Myers. Well, I probably don't look like much to you now, but John and me was once somebody's. Oh? You never heard of Maggie Garland? Uh... Well, no, no, I... I... Oh, of course you didn't. Maggie Garland was my stage name back in your grandfather's day. You were an actress, eh? Dramatic soubrette. I wasn't a very good one, I guess, but I looked real good in tights. Uh, My husband was a real soap nobody, though. What'd he do? John Rodney Myers was educated. He wrote a book. A book, yeah? Yeah, About historical things. There's the book he wrote on my table. May I look at it? Yes, but handle it careful. It's old and not very strong, like me. I'll be careful. Let me see, Casey. Hmm. Arms and armor of the Middle Ages. Oh, he was an authority on such things. Colleges and museums used to ask for his opinion. He knew all about battle axes and swords, and newspapers and magazines used to mention his name, and mine, too. You might mention that when you write your piece, young woman. I will, Mrs. Myers. It's very interesting. Oh, he is that dratted captain back again. Uh, Mrs. Myers, don't you know of any big or very strong people who are associated with Miss Patrick? Well, I don't know if you'd call my next-door neighbor associated with her, but I know he's been bothering her. How was he bothering her? Well, Sam Mulvey will bother anything that wears skirts, especially when he's drunk. Uh, The guy's a wolf, huh? Sam Mulvey's what I call a masher. It made Lena Glashheim mad as all get out when Sam took a shine to Miss Patrick. Mm-hmm. What was uh, uh, Lena Glashheimer mad about? She was jealous. She wants to marry Sam Mulvey. <laughs> You're finally telling me something that may help my investigation. Have you looked into a suitcase yet? No, but I've got it here. Also the key. My man found it in the dead woman's purse. Let's open it up. Yeah, I am. Hmm. Only a few papers in there. Uh, we'll see what they're... Casey. Hey, I've seen papers like that one before. It's a parolee's discharge from Avon Prison. The name of Alice Patrick Ives. Alice Ives? Say, she's the dame who oh, murdered I that... Oh, I know. The parole board let her out last fall after she'd served 20 years of a life sentence. What, what are you saying? Miss Patrick, my lodger, was a murderess? I bet she was. She carved up a guy named Clem Shirley. Oh. It was a big-time rum runner back in Prohibition days, Mrs. Myers. And now she's been killed with a knife. Oh, Casey, this is finally beginning to look like front page. I'll say it is. We can resurrect the whole story of the Shirley murder, Alice Ives' trial, or 20 years in prison, everything. I never would have dreamed. Now I can imagine why she was afraid of that man. The man? What man? The mysterious man. Oh, Mrs. Myers. Lady, will you please talk straight? She told me if this man ever came to the house, I was to say she didn't live here. She described him to me. And one day he did come. I seen him watching the house. And when I told her, she liked to die of fright. Now you tell me about this. Well, you didn't ask me about the mysterious man before. Oh. 
course, now I figure he was a detective who was watching him. Mrs. Myers, let me figure. Uh, hold it, pal. Wait a minute. Mrs. Myers, will you describe the mysterious man to us? Of course I will, boy. He was a big, gray-haired fellow with, with a little black mustache... Oh, and a long scar on his left cheek. A scar? Oh, she's described Pete Shirley. The brother of the rat that Alice Ives killed. He's paid that dame off for knifing his brother. Oh, Casey, this will be a story. And you'll be in it too, Mrs. Myers, as the star witness. Put on your hat and coat, Mrs. Myers. We're going to headquarters where you can look at Pete Shirley's picture. And if you identify him, this case will be all washed up. <laughs> picture of the man I saw, Captain. The man Miss Patrick was afraid of. Sergeant Flanagan, get out a pickup order on Scarface Pete Shirley. Have him brought in here and quick. Yes, sir. Boys, we've got Pete Shirley, Captain. Well, Sergeant. Hey, that's quick work, Flanagan. Twenty couple of Bring him in here. I don't think you'll like him in your private office the way he is, Captain. What do you mean? Well, Pete is shot up pretty bad. He's dead. Dead? Dead. He got killed trying to pull a hold-up last night, Captain. And he was pulling that hold-up over in Woodsfield at the very time Alice Ives was being stabbed here. You... You're sure? The boys just brought him into the morgue, sir. There goes my case against Pete Shirley. And my beautifully corny story about a brother's revenge. Hmm. The death of Mrs. Myers' lodger is becoming a mystery after all. got one of those drinking pelicans back at the bar now and I don't want any more. I'm sorry, try me again sometime. I always hate to turn them salesmen down, Casey, but as my sister Edna says, quote, them as buys everything from everybody pretty soon ain't able to buy nothing from nobody. Mm, unquote. Uh, yeah. Besides, my neck gets tired watching the darn thing. Now, what was we talking about before that guy come in? I wasn't talking about anything, Ethelbert. I was sitting here quietly trying to dope out the fifth race. Drinking pelicans. What, in the fifth? Oh, what are you oh, talking Oh, now about? I remember that old Mrs. Myers, the star witness in that Alice Patrick Ives murder. She's quite a character, according to the stories you've been writing, Miss Williams. She is quite a character, Ethelbert. Hmm. A poor little thing. She's been terribly lonely. All this excitement or picture in the paper, cops around the place, neighbors dropping in to hear her talk. You know it's given her a new lease on life. <laughs> you know, she's a cute old gal. You talk your ear off, she gets the chance, but you can't help but like her. Yeah, sounds like my sister. You know, Casey, she talks all the time. Yeah. She's the one that's not married. Yeah. <laughs> Say, uh, what's new on the murder of that Alice Patrick Ives dame? Um... Ethelbert, you read the Express, don't you? Oh, I mean inside stuff. Oh. No, not a thing, Ethelbert. The only case Logan had blew up when it was proven that Pete Shirley couldn't have done the job. Well, how about that neighbor, the big guy who tried to make a play for the dead gal? Before she was dead, I mean. Sam Mulvey? Yeah. Well, Logan's still suspicious of him, but Mulvey didn't have sufficient motive for my dough. He's notorious in the neighborhood for a nasty temper, Casey, and he's a heavy drinker. Yeah. Also, he's more than strong enough to have driven a knife through that woman's body. Yeah. 
I wonder why the handle of that knife was roughened at the end. Roughened? Yeah, like somebody had run a coarse file across it. Well, it wasn't a new knife. Probably been kicked around in a workshop or somebody's kitchen. I guess so. No luck in tracing the knife, huh? Nah, not a bit. The Ives dame was in prison a long time. Uh, don't you figure she might have made an enemy there who bumped her off? Well, Logan's checking on that theory, pal. You know, that, that window being locked two inches from the bottom, that bothers me. Well, now, why? Well, why should the killer take the time to do that? Nobody was likely to notice whether that window was closed or open. And after the killer made his getaway, it didn't matter. There was no darn reason for that window. Hey, there's always a reason for everything. Hmm? Excuse me, Annie, I'll see you later. Where are you going? I'm gonna take a walk and think. I'm delighted to see you. Thanks, Mrs. Myers. And be sure and wipe your feet on the mat. <laughs> yes, I, I remember. Uh, come in the parlor and set, if you don't mind the must. Some of my neighbors was in, and they wanted to hear firsthand about poor Miss Patrick. They just left, and I ain't had time to clear up the tea things we used. Oh, uh, can I give you a cup of tea? A tea? Oh, no, thank you. No, oh, it I... won't take but a minute. Uh, tea uh, just isn't my dish. I'll make you coffee. Uh, I can get along without coffee, too. Oh. Young fella, I haven't got anything else. Oh, Mrs. Myers, I came here for a talk, not a drink. Oh, that's fine. I like to talk. Do you? You like to have people want to talk to you, Oh, too, I guess right? everybody wants that. Yes, especially persons who were once uh, somebody, as you were. Oh, I was never much. Just an actress without much talent, but my husband was really the somebody. Yeah, indeed he was. I stopped at the public library this afternoon and looked over his book. Arms and armor of the Middle Ages. Oh, you did? Mm-hmm. I'm afraid it was a little over my head, It though. was interesting, don't you think? Yes, it, uh, it gave me an idea. I guess it gave you one, too. What? I don't know what you mean. You killed Alice Patrick Ives. Of course you're joking. No. No, Mrs. Myers. Young man. I weigh just 91 pounds in my heaviest coat and winter galoshes. Are you saying I drove a knife completely through that big woman? Uh-huh. And you did it from outside of her locked window. How could I do that? With one of the medieval weapons your husband wrote about, the kind he says could throw an arrow or a spear or a knife with accuracy, silence, and great force? The window was open two inches. The knife was shot through that opening. You figured you were creating really a, a great mystery, huh? A woman stabbed in the back in a completely locked room. That, that appeal to the dramatic instinct an actress never loses. You're pretty smart, young man. You know, I never figured that window could be shut and locked from the outside the way you said. You kind of spoiled the mystery. You admit you killed Miss Patrick. Oh, of course I don't. I'm just talking. It's nice to talk, even on a crazy subject. Why, in your opinion, did I kill that woman? Well, I guess in order to get attention. Hmm? The attention you've been without for years. Oh, I have been very lonesome. I've wanted folks to notice me again, but do you think that's a good enough motive for what you say I've done? Well, it wouldn't have been for you if you hadn't learned your mysterious lodger was a freed murderess. 
After you found that out, probably by getting into the locked suitcase and seeing her parole papers, you considered her life of no value at all. She was a bad woman. I went to the library and got old newspapers and read up about her case. And that's how you found out about Scarface Pete Shirley, the brother of the guy she killed. Mm -hmm. I even come across some pictures of him. He never came here looking for Miss Patrick, as you said. No, but that seemed a good story to tell the cops. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess you're ready now to tell the true story to the cops, Mrs. Meyer. Huh? There ain't been much in the papers about me during the last couple of days... And next week, there wouldn't be anything, maybe. And folks would stop calling on me, and I'd be alone again. By me telling the cops, I won't be forgotten so quick. And you'll put more pictures of me in the paper, son? Yes, indeed. We'll go down to headquarters right now. Darn good idea you give me, young fella. I'll get my coat. Hey, wait a minute. Huh? Uh, what, what do you mean... I've given you a good idea. You understand English, don't you? Say, look here, wait a minute. Am I wrong about this? Did you kill that woman? <laughs> For all your smartness, you don't know a thing. I, I well, don't... Well, do you? No, I... I'll get my coat and bottle. Say, Miss, Mrs. Myers, if you're, if you're not really guilty, if you're going to confess to something you didn't do, hey, hey, wait a minute, you can't do that. I can't hear you. I say you can't do that. I couldn't do. What's that in your hands? The thing that killed Miss Patrick. But you... You got it pointed at me. That's right. I'm gonna let you have it now. There's nothing I can do to stop you, I guess. Of course there ain't. Here. Take the darn things out of my hands. What? It's heavy. Uh, oh, you're... <laughs> you're... Letting me have it. It's I, I the see. evidence you needed. You didn't have none before. Mrs. Myers, I... <laughs> Fooled you, didn't I? Uh, yeah, you sure did. <laughs> I can fool folks right away. Bet I get you guessing again before we're through. The surveys show that housewives, almost without exception prefer to buy foods and other household products packed in glass containers. Their reasons are many and varied, but chief among them are five important facts. One, glass containers have no effect on the taste of the food they contain. Two, glass containers let you see exactly what you buy before you buy it. Three, glass containers are so attractive that condiments can be served on the table in the original container. Four, Glass containers are easy to open. And five, glass containers can be safely resealed to store leftovers. The better brands of foods are again available in clean, sparkling glass containers. Most of them in anchor glass containers protected by anchor vacuum caps. Both products of Anchor Hawking. A great name in glass. 